Our third scripture lesson this this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Author of life, we thank you for your word, and we ask that your spirit would be with us this morning as we reflect upon what you have said, so that we might be transformed in heart, mind, and soul. Amen. Scripture does not have a lot to tell us about this Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus. He only figures into the story of Jesus early on in his life. Next week, we will hear how Joseph fled with Mary and the Christ child into Egypt before returning to the town of Nazareth. But that will be the last time that this gospel will speak directly of Joseph. Later in Jesus' life, we will hear the crowds ask, Isn't that the carpenter's son? So we know at least that at some point in his life, Joseph worked as a carpenter. And yet, for as little as we know about the life and person of Joseph, here we find him at a crucial point in the narrative of the life of God. Perhaps it helps us to not know too much about this man. Perhaps we can better see the human struggle of this moment if we know him only as an everyman, thrust into the crosshairs of God's redemptive story. Until we actually hear this story of struggle and discernment, all that we have heard about Joseph is his lineage that establishes him as a true son of Judah. If one reads through the genealogy, one will see the names of many notable heroes from Scripture, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of course, as well as Tamar, Rahab, Boaz, Ruth, Jesse, David, Solomon, among many other kings who did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So one may be tempted to see in Joseph a heroic figure who comes from a line of kings. And yet, like so many of those famous forerunners, Joseph's life doesn't seem particularly glamorous. No, instead he seems to be a placeholder for his entire people with their storied history, now living in humble circumstances. 
And so it is that this average Joseph, a man who is the successor to kings and no one of consequence, finds himself engaged to a woman named Mary. But before they are able to be wed, Mary finds herself pregnant with a child, a child not of Joseph's seed. And here is where the other thing that we know about Joseph comes into play. Joseph is a righteous man. And now this righteous man is faced with a dilemma. What is he to do in the face of such circumstances? The law is clear about the punishment for sexual misconduct. Death. So what is Joseph to do? If he calls to light her pregnancy, he exposes her to the risk of punishment. If he goes through with the engagement, he risks bringing himself into the unrighteous behavior he assumes to have taken place. And so in his wrestling, he finds what seems to be a compromise. Quietly call off the engagement and let her family sort out what to do. Even so, this could not have been an easy decision to reach, not the kind of compromise that one comes to and can rest easily about. And so he continues to have this dilemma on his mind. One ancient commenter provides a perspective on his wrestling that draws on the story of his people, the stories of miraculous births and of divine intervention. And so this commenter writes, Perhaps Joseph thought within himself, if I should conceal her sin, I would be acting against God's law, and if I should publicize it to the sons of Israel, they would stone her. I fear that what is in her womb is of divine intervention. Didn't Sarah conceive when she was 90 years of age and bring forth a child? If God caused that woman who was like dry wood to flower, what if the Godhead wanted to cause Mary to bear a child without the aid of a man? Now we have no scriptural basis for this inner monologue, and yet we can easily imagine a man in Joseph's position searching for any answer that could resolve the tension in his life. And so with his mind swirling with thoughts of righteousness and scandal, he goes to sleep. And in this moment of restless slumber, our average Joseph becomes like a Joseph more ancient and noteworthy than himself. Joseph, the son of Jacob, was the most beloved of Jacob's sons, and to him the Lord gave visions. As a young man, Joseph was shown a dream in which his older brothers would bow to him as stalks of grain, and then another dream of his mother and father, the sun and the moon, surrounded by the stars of his brothers bowing down to him. And so his brothers sold him into slavery to the land of Egypt. In that land, Joseph worked hard, and the Lord looked upon him with favor until the schemes of the world brought him low. Once again, the Lord spoke to Joseph through dreams. Through Joseph's interpretation of dreams, he rose to prominence in the court of the Pharaoh and in a time of famine and drought, brought the family that had cast him out into a land of safety and plenty. Joseph, the most beloved son of Jacob, was a man of dreams. And now Joseph, the son of David, has become a man of dreams. The Lord has come to him with comfort and assurance. Don't be afraid, says the messenger of the Lord. 
The child Mary carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We've already been reminded of the miraculous child that Sarah carried in her womb. But there are other miraculous gifts of life given to the people of Israel. Manoah, mother of Samson, and Hannah, the mother of Samuel, are both granted a child in barrenness. Elisha, the prophet, foretells of the miraculous birth granted to a woman of Shunem. So is it really that much of a stretch that once again, God has granted life where there was not life before? Perhaps St. John Chrysostom can better explain how it is that Joseph, the righteous son of David, is able to hear this news. In his sermon on this passage, St. Chrysostom writes, Do not speculate beyond the text. Do not require of it something more than what it simply says. Do not ask, but precisely how was it that the Spirit accomplished this in a virgin? In a virgin? For even when nature is at work, it is impossible fully to explain the manner of the formation of the person. How then, when the Spirit is accomplishing miracles, shall we be able to express their precise causes? Lest you should weary the writer or disturb him by continually probing beyond what he says, he has indicated who it was that produced the miracle. In other words, what reason would Joseph have to question the messenger of the Lord? He is being told plainly who is at work. God has worked in the life of his family before. Why should now be any different? And so Joseph is told that the son of his wife will be named Jesus, meaning Savior or Rescuer, because he will deliver God's people from their sins. As the ancient Joseph delivered his people from worldly death, now the son of Joseph will deliver his people from sin and death. And when Joseph awoke from his sleep, any doubt had been cast from his mind. He did just as the angel commanded him. He took Mary as his wife. He continued to live a righteous life. He continued to listen for the word of the Lord. And so, perhaps it is best that we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. We know just enough to know what is good. We know that Joseph wanted to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. We know that Joseph struggled with the messiness of living in a world quick to judgment and slow to mercy. We know that when Joseph was most in need of guidance, the Lord sent a messenger to guide him. So let us be like Joseph. When we are torn between mercy and judgment, let us choose mercy. When we are at our most conflicted, let us listen for the voice of God. And it would be nice if a messenger of the Lord were to appear to us in a dream as happened for Joseph. But in scripture, we see that just as often, people are hosts to angels without realizing it. So let us be open to the messages of the Lord wherever they come from. Let us have the trust in God to believe those messengers when we hear them. Let us have the confidence that God would use us just as God would use a humble carpenter. God has a place for all of us in the story of redemption. And if we are open to the movement of the Spirit, we might play a greater role than we could ever imagine.
Amen. Would you please pray with me? God of wonders, when you speak, let us listen. When your spirit moves, let us follow. Make us dreamers of dreams so that we may be a part of your redemptive story. Amen.